All right, we're back with another episode of Swag Tier. I'm Steven. And I'm Megan. And we ran out of time last episode to finish talking about PAX East 2017, but there, there's pretty much just a couple things we wanted to mention. You know, we, we talked about some of the games that we played. Uh, we talked about how Sushi Dice was a hit. It was a hit. And we played it again this last weekend. Um at the board game party that we went to for her, I guess, with her other PhD friends. I don't know what to call them. Other school Co- friends. Colleagues? Coll- yeah, I guess colleagues. But also students. <laughs> <laughs> peers. Peers. Yeah, peers. Okay, peers. That was um, an interesting board game night. Um, mostly... Interesting. Yeah, interesting. Well, it was a very subdued board game night, like... I'm used to, it was a very big crowd, like, probably, I'm guessing, like, maybe 15 people, maybe. There's a lot of people. Yeah, it was a lot of people, like, there were multiple games going on at once, and we played some Unexploded Cow, we also played some Sushi Dice, and then there was a game of Illuminati going on for a very long time that we were not involved in. And then we eventually migrated to the PS4 and then spent the rest of the night playing Overcooked. <laughs> nice. So even with the crazy die rolling of sushi dice and frantic cooking of Overcooked, it was a subdued event. Yes, I would say people were pretty quiet in general. Hmm. Quiet and just... I don't want to say low energy, but, like, you could tell it was an older crowd. <laughs> People were, like, so, leaving at, like, 9 o'clock, like, it's time for bed. You I mean, snappers staying up. I had in mind, like, like 25-year-olds, but now I'm imagining, like, geriatric gamers. Okay. I, well, I would say probably, like, late 20s to 30s. We're late 20s. <laughs> Well, I mean, I would consider us an older crowd at this point. Um, Caitlin's advisors, I guess you would call them. Like, the people that will review her dissertation. Mm -hmm. Like, one of them, like, he was there in, like, his tweed jacket and his gray hair. And you'd look at him and be like, you must be a professor. (laughs) And then the other one was a total bro, which was not what I was (laughs) expecting him to look like at all. Um, I would guess he was probably like 35, maybe, but... Was he also in a tweed jacket? Because that would be awesome. I feel like he was in, like, cargo shorts. Well, I am glad to hear that you've gotten a lot of mileage out of Sushi Dice. Yeah, we certainly have. I I definitely buy board games and do not play them that many times in that span of time. Yeah, you know, Kayla was actually commenting on this the other night that the other day i don't know sometime recently that you know she feels like we we or her or in her experience she buys a a new game and then like plays it once and then doesn't touch it again forever and then like you know the next time she goes to play games she either buys or rents or tries something else new and then has to spend a whole bunch of time learning those rules and then doesn't play it again for like months and I don't know, is that a similar experience to you? Yeah, when we 
I mean, we, we own so many games at this point that it's tough to get a lot of plays on them. Like, mm -hmm. uh, thinking about my collection, I could definitely count the number of games I've played more than 10 times on one hand. And and I own maybe... Ooh, I've never actually <laughs> done a count. I would say over 30 games. Hmm. So, you know, just a, a mere fraction of that. I, I've, I've only played a lot. Mm -hmm. A lot of them I've played once, a few times, but it's it's kind of hard to bring things to the table. You need a lot of buy-in from your players to say, here's this new game we're playing. Mm -hmm. I encounter that a lot at PAX, actually, when I try to get people that are waiting in line with me to play a game and keep in mind there this is like a static line that is sitting in a room waiting for 30 sometimes even 60 minutes it's not like the line is moving I mean, sometimes it does but usually it doesn't they're checking their phones or like sometimes they're in a light conversation with one another but playing ds I don't, yeah they're, they're just they're doing things that could be picked up and put down at at any time it's not like I'm interrupting them playing a demo of something on the show floor. But there's there's a lot of resistance to joining me for a game. And yes, I'm a stranger, but a lot of that is is actually because it's new rules and they don't know this game. And it could be kind of like unfun experience. They're not sure. That's the same kind of resistance I can sometimes get from board gamers outside of packs as well mm -hmm. yeah me too it can be a lot of work i mean like that one night at pack south that caitlin and i tried to play takaido i think it mm -hmm. was mm -hmm. and we went down there and we down there being we went to the tabletop area and we checked it out and i think we had like 45 minutes until the show floor closed, I mean, the show floor, until PAX closed for the night. So it must have been, like, close to 11, 11, 15. And we thought that we could at least, like, learn the game and play kind of, like, a test round in 45 minutes. But we barely even got through setting up. Like, we couldn't even <laughs> figure that out. Granted, we did pick, like, the collector's edition or something of the game, which I think had, like, some expanded like gameplay features yeah it had the expansion and some super nice quality components mm -hmm. uh, that oh. is a really expensive version actually I oh kinda like wish how expensive? i had uh i want to say over 100 bucks oh damn yeah that is pretty expensive yeah we uh we didn't get very far obviously <laughs> yeah especially when you're learning a game for the first time it there's this barrier to to digesting the rules and figuring out what the heck you're all actually here to do and have fun with. Mm -hmm. Like, forget strategizing. Like, I'm just figuring out how to play. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, that, that would be one of my dream jobs. Maybe in retirement, uh, when I am a geriatric gamer, <laughs> uh, I would love to... I mean, being paid would be nice, but... Uh, more likely volunteer at a board game shop and sit around teaching the youngins how to play and enjoy these board games. 
That does not sound like something super fun for me, but <laughs> more power to you. <laughs> well, yeah, you know I love I love teaching. Yeah. Uh, especially teaching games. But um, that's probably why I'm going to volunteer for more tabletop hours at at the next MAGFest. Mm. Uh, I think I can uh, swing a kind of role where I'm more hands-on with the board games. Mm-hmm. Less hands on with the the check in system. Makes sense. But pulling it back to packs, we've already talked about the games. I wanted to close this out by talking about some of the panels. I actually went to a lot of panels this year, which is a little bit surprising. Wait, how many is a lot? Uh, I went to four panels. Oh, I didn't realize it was that many. Yeah. Uh, And I mean, each panel. It takes a lot of time out of the convention too. Mm-hmm. It was surprising how many I went to, and also surprising that the panels I expected the least out of, I got the most from, and the panels I expected the most from, I got the least out of. Hmm. So while I was really looking forward to a talk about uh, designing evil in video games, like cults, religions, things like that. The panel didn't really say a whole lot. And while I was really looking forward to seeing a bunch of indie RPG designers that I know and whose games I've played, uh, the discussion didn't really go anywhere. Whereas the panel on Gwent, the card game from The Witcher, which focused just on the artwork from the panel, was really funny and engaging uh, with a really good presentation that had a lot of work-in-progress shots. So I have a question about that. Do you think that the quality of the panels had to do with indie developers who may have less panel experience versus like more seasoned developers who may have more panel experience? Hmm, that's a good question. I mean, I'm not trying to pass any judgment on developers or anything. Just guessing, like, that's kind of, like, the first thing that came to my mind. You know, The Witcher's a pretty well-known game. As for whether panel quality kind of correlated with developer... Experience? Yeah, experience. Um, I could say maybe, yeah. Uh, the the developers on... I mean, honestly, the, the poor quality panels... You know, they've been in the industry a long time. Um, Some of these guys have been working on, like, old computer RPGs. But I think I would say that the Witcher panel really succeeded because there was, like, everybody was there to talk about one thing. Like, they had one purpose. Uh, They had a solid unified deck that they were all following. And they they kind of understood the tone of the panel, that it was supposed to be funny, it was supposed to be light, people were supposed to enjoy seeing new things. The panel on evil and the panel on indie RPGs... Well, I wouldn't expect that panel to have any kind of lightness. Yeah, even knowing that the, the panel on evil would have a darker tone, felt more like people were answering questions... And we're relating some anecdotes, but didn't really have have a goal in mind. 
so the panel just felt less cohesive as mm-hmm. a whole. That makes sense. It also felt like some of the answers they were providing were not, they weren't completely satisfying. Mm-hmm. You wanted to know more. I definitely wanted to know more. I was keenly interested in both of these panels. But sometimes they, they didn't really have a good answer. Sometimes they were uh, just arguing with one another mm. <laughs> about, like, the semantics of something. Mm-hmm. I can see how that would be a turnoff to you. Yeah. So they filled up the time. They had a lot of people asking questions. Uh, but they they were not as fulfilling uh, as a whole as as a panel literally just about artwork was. So, um, differing impressions. Uh, I think the other positive surprise for me, though, because that was just three panels out of the four, I thought the pitch-your-own-game-idea panel was hilarious. Uh, It was the first time I've been to it, and I think you've been to a couple before? Uh, I don't know about a couple. I definitely went to one, I very distinctly remember going with Greg and Sally. And that was back in, I want to say, the very first PAX East, so 2010. Yeah, that's a real throwback. Yeah. Uh, And I remember the panel being, like, interesting, but not something I would ever wait in line for again in the future. (laughs) Because it was people, like, I mean, I don't want to dump on like the people who attended the attendees but like the ideas were really dumb they were like <laughs> what if i was a kid after a long day at school and i want to buy ice cream from like a monster ice cream truck i mean i'm making something up yeah, yeah. uh but like that's essentially what they were like not Really, and of course, like you really can't expect them to be like really well thought out ideas, right? Because like nobody's gonna share like a serious game idea in a room full of other people who could rip them off. Mm-hmm. But they weren't even like really that funny or really that like far fetched that because you kind of expect to get a, you know a different quality of suggestion, things that are just kind of ludicrous. Like I, I feel like over the past seven years of refining that panel, they they now have a higher proportion of funny or ludicrous ideas. Have you been to more than one? Uh, no, I've just been oh. to this one. Okay, but I see what I'm, you're I'm saying. saying over the, the years. timeline. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, they say now up front, like this is not for serious ideas. We are going to roast everything you tell us, and like ninety percent of you are not going to make it to the second round. Um, don't bring us your real ideas. We're probably just going to make you cry. Uh, and so all of the ideas were either weird, uh, funny, or kind of shocking in some way. Mm-hmm. And all the panelists, they were really into it. They understood the spirit of this event, which was just to laugh at stupid things and, and have a good time about it. Uh, and Nika Harper was on this panel, actually. Oh. So... Imagine Nika's signature laugh throughout Mm -hmm. the 60 minutes. (laughs) By the way, we pretty much only had to be there for 60 minutes. We didn't have any panel wait time. You could just waltz in. Really? At at any time during this. Yeah. They they had empty space at the back. Hmm. So, uh, yeah, that was a kind of 
paradigm shift for me where you don't have to wait 45 minutes a minimum for a panel that uh-huh. you want to go to. Uh, so it's something where you could just drop by and have a couple laughs. Uh, it worked really well. I like the ideas. Uh, they were... Oh, oh my, okay, well, like is in air quotes. A lot of the ideas were very punny. Mm, uh, your fave. Yeah, yeah, as you know. But some of the ideas were... Uh, a lot of the ideas had to deal with VR. Uh, so, for example... Uh, one person proposed uh, you have a kind of tower defense game, except you're on a tower that needs to be defended, and you're wearing the VR goggles, and you have to throw darts with poison at the person on the other tower. And if you get hit with the poison, uh, it will confer some kind of uh debilitating vision effect on you so like it'll start giving you vertigo uh, or it'll change up all the colors in your display uh, or it'll flip the display upside down for you or it will introduce a lag between the time you move your headset and the time the display actually moves i can't wait for vr pot brownies (laughs) so like like things like this, like clearly, it's an awful idea. No one should ever make it as a game. <laughs> uh, it it needs to come with like vomit warnings, <laughs> yeah, vomit bags, vomit bags. <laughs> yeah, that was one of the questions that I think like Nika asked. She was like, "Does this game actually come with air sickness bags? Because it needs to." <laughs> you could have like a partnership with American Airlines, and they could, you know, lend you some vomit bags. <laughs> and buying this game gets you points toward your one-world Pokemon status. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love it. Emerald class. <laughs> so if you if you pass the first round, which is, again, only like 10% or 5% of the people passed, they would invite you back for a second round of questioning. And this is the kind of thing that you would have tossed in there to sway the judges and try to win some of the prizes. Uh, they were giving out penny arcade pin sets. Oh, wow. Prizes, actually. Uh, I was pretty impressed. Yeah, that's not bad. The winning entry uh, was from this Australian girl who I could have listened to talk forever. I was going to say, you probably like listening to her talk a lot. <laughs> that was immediate past the second round for me. She proposed a game, and we're going to uh, border on an explicit tag here where you play as a vibrator (laughs) and clearly there's so much potential for third-party controllers and peripherals that you could sell (laughs) Uh, as well i mean i know this isn't really nintendo's bag but i mean that wii remote is it was was built for this Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, and you could have several different types of levels in the game for example you could have uh, a stealth mission where you're in a tricky bunk bed situation, but you still need to reach your goal. And the name of the game was Pocket Rocket League. <laughs> Super appropriate. <laughs> so this this panel was not appropriate for kids at all. There were a lot of uh, really wild ideas, and everybody just got into the spirit of it. Were there, like, angry parents ushering their children out? <laughs> 
Is that why there was empty space in the back of the room? Yeah. <laughs> all the all the stroller spaces were unoccupied. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm not sure how many people were there, but it was a pretty big, long room. And it was also a panel you didn't need to be up at the front for. It wasn't like people came with their PowerPoint presentations. Uh, no, I mean, they just came up to a mic and gave their idea and were promptly ridiculed for it. Mm. So I, I thought it was super funny. I I would definitely consider dropping by again. Uh, it's not something I would want or need to wait in line for. So that was an interesting find for me. I'm going to start prepping an idea now for next year. I would say over half of the people uh, had ideas pre-written on their phone because they know there are prizes. <laughs> I don't even want a prize. I just want to announce an idea. <laughs> well, maybe when they have this panel at PAX West, we'll have some spike tier ideas ready. Yeah, I think I can think of one right now. It's called Try to Record a Podcast When Frisbee Barks at the Trash People. <laughs> if Frisbee barks, you lose. Yes. So, game over. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a uh, that's a good segue actually to our our classic outro of Frisbee barking. <laughs> so so thank you Frisbee for wrapping up this episode of Spectre. Yo 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 yo. Mm. Woof. Damn it! Can't get her actually woof. Oh, can I get her too? Um, I probably could. Hey Frisbee, I'm gonna kiss this paw. Oh, are we growling? Oh, we're mad? I'm gonna kiss it. Nope, I'm gonna kiss this one. Mm, I'm gonna kiss this one. No, we just snarled and snapped at me and then ran away. <laughs> and now we're looking affronted. Frisbee refuses to be monetized. Yeah. Mm, plunger? Should we go in the bathroom and see the plunger? Who's that? Who's that? <laughs> Yay! <laughs> that was a lot of work. No! <laughs> God damn it, Frisbee! Shut up! No! <laughs> <laughs>